This is Carcon Carne. I'm James Van Osdell. And before tonight's show, I want to tell you about the opportunity that awaits you with solar. So as we're recording this, it's hot. We're in the middle of another intensely warm Midwestern week. And because of that, I can almost guarantee when you're at your house, your apartment, your condo, your lean-to, you've got the AC cranked. You're cranking up the fans, the AC, whatever you can do to give yourself a cooling off. That means your power is going to cost you a lot of money. Your electric bill is going to be through the roof. That's why you should consider switching to solar. I've got a guy. My guy can be your guy. My guy is Brent Sopel, former Chicago Blackhawk, Stanley Cup winner, Brent Sopel. He is your pathway to solar. SopelSolar.com. S-O-P-E-L, solar.com. With the tax breaks you get from the state of Illinois and from the federal government, well, which, first of all, won't last forever, you can save up to 48 percent overall the consultation's free and nothing comes out of pocket simplesolar.com switch to solar go green save yourself a huge chunk of change it's car con carne let's eat in the car it's car con carne It's been hot and sunny all day. It's not very gothy weather. <laughs> all all external factors are irrelevant at this point. Let's let's be real here. So look at this. It's Carcon Carney. I'm James Van Osel. That right there is Stephanie Sachs. She is a cinephile. She's a delight. She's also the programmer behind this event happening at Facets on Fullerton, uh, just west of Fullerton and Greenview in the Lincoln Parkish area. Facets showing a, a day long, a day's worth of Jalo films. It's Jalo Gelato because in addition to Jalo Films, you have Gelato. It's perhaps the most specific event happening in Chicago in all of, in all of summer, but it's going to be awesome. Jalo Gelato. Domo arigato, Stephanie Sack. Thank you. Uh, bonsoir, bonjour, bonjourno, all of the above. So we're parked in front of Facets. We're parked in, in front-ish of Facets. You know, sometimes it's tricky to park on a weeknight. And True. Park. We couldn't get the Gelato to to go along with this discussion and we were in the car we eat in the car it's car con carne but you did the next best thing you got something gelato ish or you got a descent like a, a distant cousin of gelato a for cousin us to of eat gelato definitely i nabbed a little sorbetto and uh this is the roman raspberry mm. and this is the alfonso mango and Ooh. note the yellow color because giallo means yellow it does now you know well in fact for people who don't know, which is probably a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're here to both promote this event and I think educate to some extent. I consider myself a professor of something. Giallo is literally yellow in Italian, as Correct. said. And according to Wikipedia, Stephanie, just the, just the to give us a baseline, arbiter. the ultimate arbiter, just to give us a baseline for what we're talking about here. In the context of 20th century literature and film, especially among English speakers and non-Italians in general, Giallo refers specifically to a particular Italian thriller horror genre that has mystery or detective elements and often contains slasher, crime fiction, psychological thriller, psychological horror, sexploitation, and less frequently, less frequently, supernatural horror elements. This particular style of Italian-produced murder mystery horror thriller film usually blends the atmosphere and suspense of thriller fiction. This is getting boring. The point is... <laughs> what's, what's the point, James? Uh, it's highly stylized. Mm really cool yes 
and you are obviously not, not, not even just a devotee. You are, I mean, you know all this stuff. You are, <laughs> you're like expert level. You're the boss level when it comes to Jalo cinema. I, I, that is a lovely compliment. I will accept it graciously. And the fact is I am definitely a self-taught Jalo file. Uh, it is my favorite genre of film for all of the reasons you listed above and many more that I'm sure we will discuss. All right. Now, I know you're dying to have some sorbetto. So <laughs> please, please. Right, do you prefer the, the mango, the, the yellow? I'm going to the demolish sor- this mango sorbetto. So Are you don't, tear, don't look at me. You're going to tear through the whole thing? <laughs> we'll see. The night is young. All right. Okay. I, I applaud your ambition. Okay. And let, let the record show, I haven't had dinner yet. This is basically dinner. Same. Uh-huh. Let's sorbetto do this. For dinner because... Sorbetto for dinner. But now... I mentioned it's Jalo Gelato happening mm-hmm. on the 30th. What kind of gelato will be on hand for the film goers or the the, the attendees? The the giallo doers, the, uh-huh. the giallo seers. So graciously, Jay Blisnick from show um excuse me, from um what's I just totally forgot his name actually. From uh he's opening a gelato shop and he has very graciously offered to make a custom flavor called Giallo Isange, which means yellow and blood. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be um, with made with wine. It's going to have little ribbons of raspberry jam through it. Ooh. So not only is it going to taste amazing, it is going to look amazing. And That's that fantastic. is Sideshow g- uh, Gelato. Sideshow Gelato. Oh, Thank that sounds to, awesome. Yes, very excited. Thank you to Jay. Oh, that sounds really good. All right, so that's happening. Uh, Stephanie Sack from the Secret Cinema School. I didn't mention that at the beginning. Uh, it's an all-day immersion into Jalo. I guess let's start there. Why? Why Jalo? That is a great question. It's one I ask myself often. And when it comes to film, I am very snobby. I am very dismissive of really what's happening in the modern film scene. I don't like CGI. I don't like comic books. I don't like happy films. (laughs) I don't like rom-coms. I don't like when everybody is happy at the end. I just find that really boring. So 20th century film to me is far more interesting, specifically the decade of the 70s, which arguably is the most interesting decade of worldwide cinema. And within that decade, the giallo films that came out of Italy have just always really flowed in my boat. They're all Hitchcockian mm-hmm. in their uh, in their structure, in their aesthetic. They have some gothic flourishes. They have a lot of beautiful people. But best of all, they have murder. And nobody does murder like the Italians. So something about the way the films are put together, something about the casting, something about even the costumes and the locales, all of that has just always really appealed to me, especially in light of what's happening with film now. Well, it's interesting. I, I love going to see movies. And I, I reach the, I've reached this point where I'll look at movie listings and think, well, there's nothing I ever want to see. Mm. But I love going to see movies. I want to see stuff I haven't seen before that's going to excite me, challenge me, be really interesting. This is an opportunity because I'm willing to bet 99% of the people listening or watching probably haven't seen these movies. Well, I would have to agree with you on pretty much everything you said. I do feel that this is an opportunity to showcase these films that have been really um 
they're important in a lot of ways. The, the main thing that I find really interesting, which is completely lacking in modern film, is a pathos. The, the psychology is one of a post-war generation really mm -hmm. going through what happened in Europe with a lot of, um, there's a lot of reveals, there's a lot of looking, there's a lot of coming to terms with very strange realities. And I think that's a very um, telling of a post-war psychology. And then of course, Italy's um, main export during the, the uh, post-war years was film. Film was a, a state-supported effort. There was of course all these um, people making films and when you make films you have to finance films and when you finance films you have to show films and when you show films there's theaters and there's theaters there's an audience so the whole film going aspect of Italy in the 70s is really its own um, social situation in that you had a group of people who were being entertained with a different film every single night. So the proliferation of these films is also really interesting to me, especially when you compare it to something like what's happening with the proliferation of the comic book films. But those are um, driven by computers. Those are driven by, you know, just add water for a script. Whereas <laughs> the, the Jallo films were being written by very interesting people who were also writing westerns and they were writing dramas. It wasn't a specific niche of writer. It was a group of talented writers who were all contributing to very interesting scripts, situations, narratives. And that is something that not only should be shown, but should be protected and should be explained to people. And that's really what excites me the most. I've come to feel a bit of a custodian with the genre. <laughs> and the people who I talk to about it are very appreciative of that, that I can contextualize the films, really contextualize why the violence, you know, why, why, the, why the antagonism, why the conflict. And that to me is because if you watch it through a post-war frame, a lot comes comes into view, so to speak. And the other thing that I'm really excited about teaching is talking with people about these films. You know, what do they think about them? Mm -hmm. What does it bring up for them? What do they think of the women in the films? What do they think of the villains in the films? It's a very different way of looking at violence and looking at interpersonal situations far different than what you even see in, in the films coming out of Italy or even uh, Hollywood in the 80s. I keep coming back to the topic of curation in, in everything I do and the need for curators. You are a curator. Mm. And just finding that, that trusted voice who's going to say, hey, come over here. Let me show you some stuff or let me let, play some stuff for you. There aren't enough people doing that right now. We've, we've trusted our, our entire entertainment lives to algorithms. Well, that is something I also agree with completely. And as, and as fascinating as algorithms are, thankfully, nothing really beats expertise in bringing to an audience the highlights, the, the, the genius, the examples of what was really going on during that time. And just from my love of history, my love mm -hmm. of 20th century cinema, and certainly my love of Europe, I do feel that I have a really interesting eye toward these films. And I also think being a woman and being super into these films brings another interesting element because these films were banned for many years in a lot of countries because of the violence. Mm -hmm. They were video nasties in Britain, which meant that they couldn't be distributed to a British audience. So there was a lot of pushback from 
you know, the powers that were at the time. And these films are still considered by many to be lowbrow B films, you know, sort of uh, stapled together for product. And I could say the same for films coming out today. Sure. So bringing, I, I'm using this word with a very light touch, a feminist or a womanist or a, a, a female's perspective to not only watching and talking about these films, but selecting them to bring to an audience, I think is also really cool. It's interesting because my perspective, especially on a lot of 1970s movies, is that they're all misogynistic. <laughs> well, you're not wrong, James. But what's really interesting about particularly the the first and the third film in this program are that the women really get their own, that they are the ones who are making things happen. They are the ones who are in control sexually they are the ones who are making decisions, good, bad, and different, that push along the narrative. So when people throw around that word misogynistic, I'm kind of bored by it, only because it's so limiting in how to look at art. And film is art come to life in many ways. And when I talk to people who have made these films or acted in these films or experts on these films, none of them feel that the films came from a misogynistic place and none of them feel that the films are in any way anti-woman. In fact, Sergio Martino, who directed the third film, Your, Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key, really saw this film as being a way to explore women's freedom post-sexual revolution through a lens of interpersonal sexuality, interpersonal violence through the lens of marriage, through the lens of domesticity. Mm -hmm. And I think when you really look at the characters and look at the women, they are absolutely in control of their own destinies. And that's really cool in any movie genre. So three movies total. Did you schedule potty breaks in between? <laughs> Not only did I schedule potty breaks in between, there will be a gelato hour in between the Gelato first and hour. second film. That's fantastic. Yes. All right, so the first movie is The Psychic. This is 3 o'clock. Did I say the 30th? I meant the 31st. No, it is actually on July 30th. Okay, it says 31st here. Don't don't listen to anything that that says. Okay. Okay. <laughs> July 30th. Yes. That's what I, Okay, I was right. Okay, July 30th, 3 p.m. is when it starts with The Psychic. The let's, Psychic. Let's start there. What is? It's also the shortest title of the three. <laughs> well... Actually, I have some news for you because in Italian, the title translates to uh, murder in seven notes of black or something like that. So okay. the psychic was obviously for American audiences <laughs> because the titles just didn't really didn't translate right. to say a VHS cover. <laughs> so the psychic is by Lucio Fulci, who's one of the uh, main names of the genre. And Fulci is really known for gore, to be very honest. And to make things very clear, I'm not into gore at all, which is sort of ironic considering that I'm promoting a, um, a niche right. that is known for gore. But this film is extremely Hitchcockian in that it is a slow burn with lots of twists, lots of turns. And the performance that Jennifer O'Neill gives as the main character is fairly astonishing. It's 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 a script that's very serviceable. It's a story that's very serviceable, but she brings a, a, a smolder, a sadness, a real depth 
to this woman discovering that not only does she have really uh, um, intense visions, but these are visions of her future. And that is terrifying in so many ways that it doesn't need gore. And what's super interesting about this film is it was one of the first giallos I started watching because it was available to the American market unedited mm. in a, a version that was that made sense, that was not touched, botched, bowdlerized. And it was one that I rented over and over again with money I made babysitting. So the fact that people entrusted me with their children as a teenager is sort of shocking. <laughs> but I used that money to obsessively watch this film over and over again. And watching it recently for this interview, I was astonished at how well it held up. The costumes, the set pieces, the pacing for lovers of Hitchcock and for somebody who's looking to step into the genre, The Psychic is a fantastic place to start. Again, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we just had a milestone, Stephanie. Tell me. The first time bowdlerized oh. was used in this podcast. It's a great word. It's a great word. So thank you for bringing that. We're like nine plus years into this, and it's the first time. So <laughs> thank more, you. You're more than welcome. So The Psychic is kind of a supernatural horror? Mm, good question. It is not necessarily supernatural because everything that she sees and everything she experiences is what we experience along with her. So I would say it's it's playing with reality. It's playing with perception. Mm -hmm. And this gift is something that she does not use on or for anyone else except her own experience. So it's very personal, actually. It, it's very um, intimate, which is sort of the opposite of a supernatural plot, which is when, you know, things are chaotic and go crazy and nobody understands them. And the fact is, she understands her visions way faster than anyone else does. So there's a very interesting element of psychological reality of, of shifting ideas of what of what it means to perceive things, what it means to get to know someone or yourself. It, it's a very it uh, it holds up with modern eyes for sure. Second movie, Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion. Is this the one that riffs on Edgar Allan Poe? No, that's the third one. All right, let, let's jump to that then, because, okay. since I brought it up. Your vice is a locked room, and only I have the key. That, that sounds like an improv starter. <laughs> All right, we took suggestions from the audience. Your vice What's is your a locked room. <laughs> yeah. what, what room? Uh -huh. So th this film was made by Sergio Martino, who is another absolute master of the genre. His jolly are consistently cited as just being exemplars of not only the genre but really of films from the era especially films out of Italy and this film is bonkers bananas another word that rhymes with you know rat bit and it it you, is you, you know you can say batshit i can totally say batshit thank you this film is batshit it is based on The Black Cat by Edgar Allan Poe, but that's a very loose uh, um, inspiration. What you really see from that is a gothic flourish. You're in an old house. It's dark. It's crumbling. There's noises. There's a black, literally a black cat running around and meowing and watching all the insanity. And this is the story of a marriage that is imploding. And the marriage is imploding for all sorts of reasons, some of which we know, some of which we don't. But 
from the jump, we're looking at this couple who basically hate each other and they're trapped in this house and nothing really happens until the second act when the man's niece shows up. And this gal, Floriana, is just an incendiary element to what really is a, a slow setup. And she brings a, a jolt of modern sexuality. She is um, operationally bisexual. I saw a real precursor to Catherine Trammell in this gal from Basic Instinct. Okay. She is totally in control. She is playing everyone off each other. And within this triad of people, you see their fears, their anxieties, their real personal problems become manifest all in this house. So you've got that creepy, slow, eerie element to what is a fiery, dangerous series of situations, none of which end well. <laughs> See, and this is this is why I love this event. This is why I love talking to you. Jalo Gelato happening at Facets on July 30th. Uh, just that description and that passion, sign me up. I mean, mm. that, that sounds awesome. The way you describe that movie, uh, you said it with the first movie as well. Are, is slow burn a, a characteristic of Jalo cinema? Yes and no. I would say the ones that are really good, the ones that have stood the test of time, are almost all they're Hitchcockian in that structure where it's three acts you're set up in the first one interestingly in Italian films especially from this era the second act is sort of slow you're seeing things sort of come together there's discoveries there's there's things happening that are adding to the mystery that are that are fueling the confusion and then the third act is almost always in real time where you see what was all set up come to a spectacular fruition usually with a twist so yes the in my estimation the best authentic true giallos are slow burns, do not have gore, are not excessively violent. It's the slowness, it's the deliberate pace, it's letting us sympathize and get to know the characters so that when the knife comes out, when the black gloves come on, when the blood starts to flow, <laughs> it's real. And I think this is helpful perspective for people who want to dive in, who want to go to Jalo Gelato on the 30th. I think people who are raised or focused on modern cinema you get to the the inciting action a lot quicker in the modern day so we almost are all conditioned to be impatient for that if, if it's if it's a slow rollout i was just going to use the word patience that there's the the films made from this era assumed a few things one they assumed the audience was really excited to be entertained for about two hours so there was no rush there was, there was no, you know, race to the bottom. It was a way to entertain an audience, but also keep them paying attention. Mm -hmm. And in this, in this world, in this iteration of film goers, you don't have to pay attention. You, you just sort of sit back and watch the pretty colors on screen. Maybe and, sit you know, on your phone as you, as you're doing it. Totally, and mm -hmm. I'm very guilty of that as well. But with these films, if you pay attention. If you let the narrative really wash over you, if you receive all the little clues, the colors, the, the details, 
the payoff at the end is just sublime. Sublime. All right. The middle movie, 530 on the 30th, Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion. So this is probably the most idiosyncratic of the three in that it starts off as a traditional giallo. And from the after the first 10 or 15 minutes, you're just in a different world. Usually a giallo involves your average person, your average Joe, your average Jane looking to solve a mystery. And more often than not, they team up with somebody from the police, a detective, um, uh, you know, a street cop, somebody working their beat. And that partnership is part of sometimes the comedy, but that is that partnership bringing the, the authority and just your average Joe together. That's part of the friction. That's part of the narrative. But this film, the murderer is a policeman and we know this from the get-go and this film plays with the ideas of what it means to solve a mystery what it means to suspect somebody and it really plays with the idea of identity who we are around other people but what's really interesting about this film is that it is very political and it really speaks to the hangover that Italy was in in the 70s from the post-war era, from um, Il Duce, from fascism. And this policeman is drunk on power in a way that also I I was watching it just today to, you know, really be uh, fresh for this discussion. And some of what he said looked just like what Trump was saying. Some of what he said looked just like what... Um, you know, our friend in Russia was saying was about Putin talks. And interestingly enough, this guy reminded me of Berlusconi, who was, you know, Italy's wild child who was running the country for a while. So it really plays with how politics and how power can be perverted in in your basic case of murder. And of the three, this one has the most uh, political, sociological heft for sure. I love it. Again, Jalo Gelato. Jalo ha- Gelato. Happening at Facets. Uh, if people want to go, can they just show up or do they need to buy tickets in advance? How does that work? Great question. So I am proud to say that thanks to the Italian Cultural Institute of Chicago, my main power partner, that the psychic is going to be screened for free. Oh, wow. So we do ask that people sign up for that just so we can make sure that we have enough seats and tickets and, and gelato as well. Then after gelato so hour. Cool. Thank you. I'm really excited to do that. It was it was a, a great opportunity to invite people to to come into the genre without, you know, the obstacle of payment. That, that's how you get them. The first one's always free. That's right. I am a giallo dealer at some level. Uh-huh. Uh, the people who have become addicted or want a little more taste are more than welcome to purchase tickets on site. There it is. Or before the show. Uh, tickets are $12 per oh, screening or $20 for the double feature. And members of Facets get 15% off. Which you probably should be a member. I mean, if you're not a member, you need to become a member. It's even more giallo gelato for you. So this is a cool entry point for a lot of people to see movies they haven't seen before. And if you look at any of the, the local movies at the big cineplexes, it's just so tired. It's the same shit in every theater. And you know what you know what every movie is going to be before you walk in the door. The thrill of discovering something from 
40, 45, 50 years ago that you'd never heard of, that's cool. Like that, that, that takes you down the rabbit hole. I, I feel that way about music, about any kind of art, really. Like, how did I miss that the first time? Then you become ravenous. Like, oh, I need to find X, Y, and Z and stuff that's similar to that. And you just, you kind of go down that path. You've sort of described how I've become both a jalloholic and, and sort of a, a, an amateur expert because once I started really watching these films, uh, I started about uh, in, in with some real energy about 20 years ago and rediscovering them after seeing them as a teenager or even a child. Again, I would see them in the American version, which was edited, mm -hmm. uh, retitled, just really annoying, sort of embarrassing for the films. And over the years, I've be I started watching them as they were meant to be in their unexpurgated version with the real titles. Um, sometimes I was lucky enough to see them on film. Sometimes I was lucky enough to see them in theaters. And every time I saw one of them, I knew I had to watch another and another. And then were other countries making these films? Were women making these films? Who who was making? Who was producing these films? What's very interesting, in fact, is that the second film was produced by a woman who was very active in the in the industry in the seventies, and I'm really excited because this whole Giallo Gelato uh, effort has been spearheaded by women as well. My partners at Facets are all chicks. I'm obviously a chick, and I um I just love sharing it with with new people because there is so much to discover from the titles themselves to the players to the producers to the script writers it's the most amazing rabbit hole to fall into and i'm kind of just getting started james i'm hoping i'm assuming that this event on the 30th isn't the end of your curation like what's next for you i do you have like a dedicated place where we can benefit from your enthusiasm your knowledge your your hunger for cool shit my hunger for cool shit is fairly endless so well, let's get that straight right away i'm really excited to say that the concept of giallo gelato is something that other people have expressed some interest in so i just connected with a friend of mine on facebook whose father wrote a script for a french giallo like a legitimate french giallo wait no it, it, can it be called Jello if it's not from Italy? Is it kind of like a champagne? Oh, that is and such a great question, actually. You're asking all the good questions. <laughs> well, the answer is I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, most of the experts don't know either. In fact, a lot of a lot of the jokes in the in the my little fan groups are, but is it Giallo? And um my answer is yes. I definitely think there's an American Giallo for sure. I'm very sure there are British giallos. I mean, Alfred Hitchcock made Frenzy. And of course, the master was making a film that his sort of sons and daughters were making. And he jumped in too. It's a fascinating film. There's, uh, there's a, a straight up giallo out of China that came out in 1979 directed by a woman. So I think the name giallo is certainly owned by Italy, but it is shared by the world. And I am really interested in taking this on the road, doing this elsewhere. Yeah, sorry, I, I derailed you. Someone in in France, you said? Yes, someone in France. So I'm already looking to do this sometime, hopefully next year in Paris. Get out. Do you speak French? Un peu. Okay. Un petit peu. En enough to get by? That's right. That's a cool idea. Thank you. Because the need for curation doesn't stop in America. No, and in fact, I'm very lucky to be able to do this in Chicago, which is somewhat of a conservative town when it comes to these types of, you know, art events. Is it? Uh, yes and I, I, I'm no, I'm saying I that because I truly don't... Well, you know what, James? 
I started Giallo Gelato because I was really sick of waiting for people around here to do cool shit. <laughs> so I guess in some ways it can be. I'm very lucky that it's been so well received, especially by, you know, my friends and colleagues around here. That's been really, really cool. But I do see this really taking off in in other towns and other cities and other countries. Mm -hmm. And I love working with small theaters. It's so important to support the arts. It's so important to work with storefront theaters and mm -hmm. theaters that have the capacity to show these and all films on film. I've already tracked a couple of some titles I want to show next on 35 millimeter. So I see this becoming lots of giallo and lots of gelato. That's brilliant. You know, I, this, this isn't, specific to what you were just saying but that spirit of well what i want doesn't exist so i'm going to make it and that's kind of you know i did that uh podcast conference chicago podcast day at 2112 a few months ago yes my feeling was something like that didn't exist in chicago and i wanted it to and i keep going back whenever i do something whenever i have that kind of entrepreneurial bug or whatever mm. i trace it trace it all back to the song uh found a job by talking heads off more songs about buildings and food <laughs> One of my favorite bands. <laughs> Love that album. Amazing. But the general premise of that song is there's a couple who's just sick to death of what they have available on television. You know, yep. back then only three networks. Yes. And so they decide, well, screw it. We're going to make up our own show that's better than what's on TV. That is my guiding principle. If I if I don't see what I like, I want to create it. And I think that's what you did with Jalo Gelato. Absolutely. You found a job. <laughs> I hired myself. Right. <laughs> to be fair, and I want to give a quick shout out. There's a great group out of L.A., a couple people out of L.A. who are doing similar events. Um, one of them is a, a dear friend of mine who actually lent me the name Giallo Gelato. So thank you to Craig from the Secret Movie Club. And then, of course, Cinematic Void was doing a fantastic Giallo series in L.A. And just earlier this year brought it to Chicago. So it is a great time to be a Giallo fan. It is a great time to be a Giallo-holic. And it is a great time to watch Giallo in Chicago. It's a great time to be Giallo Biafra. That too. All right. So <laughs> Giallo Gelato happening at Facets over here on Fullerton, just east of, what is that, Ashland over there? Mm -hmm. um, really easy to get to. Everyone knows how to get here at Facets. It's a Cinemiles Paradise. Cine Cinephiles? Did I say Cinephiles? Cinephiles Paradise. Yes. Come here. Get here at 3 o'clock for the free showing of The Psychic and stick around for the other two movies. It's going to be awesome because they're curated by this person right here. They're programmed by Stephanie Sack. She is uh, the, the secret cinema school made manifest. And I appreciate you doing this. I, I didn't even touch my sorbetto. I'll probably eat it after we stop filming. I, that was kind of my hope. <laughs> I, I felt bad. Like, you, you brought it. I, I want you to, to be able to leave with it. I think we can make that happen. So, okay. Giallo, Good. Gelato, et voila. Domo arigato. All right. Thank you, Stephanie Sack. Thank you for watching and listening. Are we good? We are so good. Did we cover good. it? We are so good. All right. <laughs>